Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. We have our special guest here, Nancy Otto, from the film Prognosis. She's part of the filmmaking team of this really important documentary that uh, is showing right now during SF Jewish Film Festival. And um, Nancy, if you can, for our listeners, can you introduce the film Prognosis, please? Sure. Uh, really great to be on, by the way. <laughs> um, so the film is uh, about my wife's journey, our journey, actually, uh, after she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And we, uh, my wife, Chaz, was a documentary filmmaker, and she always used films to try to help educate people and change attitudes. And she did that a lot with um, areas of bias in education. And so she, when she learned she had stage four breast cancer, she immediately turned the camera on herself and she wanted to um, share her journey with people, hoping that it may in some way be a benefit for others who at some point might go down that path themselves or know people who do and try to demystify what, what happens when you um, have a diagnosis like that. And what is, what is life like? after that happens. And so that that's really what the movie's about. We didn't want to know uh, what her prognosis was and we're not advocating that's what everybody should do. Um, but, you know, that did provide um, a unique way of trying to live fully and not be constantly reminded of uh, an end, end time. And when she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, but not knowing the diagnosis fully, um, and then Chaz wanting to turn the camera on herself, but also on her family and friends, was that a whole conversation that you two in the family had? Or was it more like, that's Chaz's, that's, that's Chaz's world and we're just going to live in it? Well, you know, it really was like a, her automatic uh, response and her doctors at UCSF who are wonderful were so supportive of her doing that. They really felt that would give her a lot of life force, you know, to be able to um, do something that she loves so much. And it became, um, you know, at first a real annoyance to do that. It was very <laughs> present in, in our conversations. And then it really became a witness to what we were going through and a, and a comfort and a shield, I think, in some ways, in some of the doctor visits and a way of trying to create more parity between um, patient and doctor dynamics, um, which was interesting to observe and, and be part of. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we it, it's I learned so much. I mean, I'm just, you know, taking notes, <laughs> the whole film, just about how you were, everyone was dealing with it. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's not a film about, about living really, you know, that um, uh, how I, how I saw it and, and realizing what is really important, you know, what does living mean to you? And, and one thing that I kind of 
saw with with your life and, and Chaz's life together was while you do get to travel, you know, a little bit, a lot of what living meant for her was doing a lot of what she had already been doing, spending time with you, her family, her friends, time in nature and and even working, you know, because right. she loved her work so much. So I'm curious to know, um, were, were you aware of, of that in the moment is like, wow, we're really blessed that that's the sign of a good life is, you know, you know, that the end may be coming, but you're still doing the same things that you were doing before that. That's a great question. I, um, I definitely was aware that, you know, I think nothing did change drastically for Chaz. I I think I wanted something to change more. I really wanted her to interrupt her, her, her lifestyle patterns a bit more. And, you know, it was a really good lesson for me to just see that, you know, everybody has their own individual journey and I don't know what her journey should be. And I can make those decisions for myself, but to really just respect a person and how they want to, to spend that time, uh, the remainder of their life. But yeah, I think you're bringing up a really great point. We were really blessed, you know, that she enjoyed, she was doing the things that she enjoyed doing and, and work was definitely part of that. And yeah, just, you know, being in communication with people and enjoying people and relationships, I think were a big part of what brought her great joy. And I, I, I loved having um, or seeing your sons in the film. Um, can you talk about their involvement either behind the camera or in front of the camera during this journey? Yeah, they both also had their own path, you know, with the film. I think Noah, our oldest son, was very uncomfortable about being on the camera, but he wanted to be supportive and I think, you know, we didn't have a lot of footage of Noah, actually. So we really tried to put as much as we had of him. Oscar is a theater major, you know, he from NYU. So I think he was more comfortable in that role. And um, he did a lot of the filming and he came back from New York and spent a lot of time with us and helped take care of Chaz as she was getting weaker. Um, And I think... You know, I think he really, for both of them, this has been such a major life-changing moment, as it is for anybody when you lose a parent. But I think having the film be part of that journey is really interesting in their, in their processing of her death and in mm-hmm. their grieving. Can I, uh, and oh, just, sorry, right, really quickly, because yeah. I, I have to add this because I loved this moment. Chaz biking through New York to see... I thought that was brave. I'm like, I know she's just like going through cancer, like diagnosis, but biking through New York, that was badass. Anyway, (laughs) I I, I could, I I saw Chaz's personality come out during that moment. Yeah. Yeah. She lived fully. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite scenes, um, just because it was just really touching, it was, uh, you know, Chaz is having some, some sort of work done or a test done or something in your playing a singing bowl Tibetan, as a yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Tibetan singing bowl, you know, just because so she would know that you're there. And I just 
God, it just made it still kind of gives me chills. It was just a really beautiful moment and a really great way to still be there when you physically can't. So I, I, I was just curious, did you do any work with an end of life doula or anything like that? Or was that just sort of an inherent thing? Because like I, I come back to this idea of like caregiving and, you know, they're seen as someone you hire to to do these things for people when they're sick or, or dying or, or, you know, not doing well. But nobody can care as much as your loved one, you know, that's not something that, that you can teach someone to do is to really love someone. And that, that moment for me just encapsulated, like how in tune you were with what she needed. Yeah. Um, you know, at that time, I didn't know about end of life tools. I wish I had, I think that would have been an amazing resource to reach out to. I, I definitely would have done that and have since uh, gone through end of life training. Um, but I think, you know, I was, I was really, tr- you know, trying to navigate all these different things that people talk about building one's immune system. And I think I must've come across the Tibetan singing bowls and just, you know, I was very interested in the energy that, um, and the use of sound, all of that was very intriguing to me and still is. And I wanted to, you know, I, I, I think it just, I just, came up with the idea of wanting to try to stay connected to her through these procedures that were so alienating, dehumanizing, you know, and, and just trying to bring the soul into these rooms that I feel like are very soulless. Um, Yeah. Really pale. (laughs) Yeah. Not full of life. Yeah. Um, During the filming of, um, everything that Chaz was going through, was there ever a point you didn't want to document or film any longer? Or was there a point where she maybe was like, maybe I'm not, maybe this isn't the right thing. Well, there was never a point that Chaz felt that for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, definitely when she was actively dying, she was actively dying over 10 days and I never wow. thought about filming, but some of our friends who had been on this whole path with us, who are her filmmaking friends too, they were able to pull out of that very sacred place and turn the camera around and try to capture us. I was totally unaware that there was a camera ever playing. Um, And I'm super grateful that they had the wherewithal to do that because I do feel like that's probably the most powerful parts of the film and the most important parts and Oscar, our younger son, really helped point us as uh, toward that story more. I think we were a little nervous about showing all of that and especially showing it to Oscar and Noah for the first time. And Oscar's like, wow, you spend the whole film trying to avoid this, you know, this thing that you're trying to prevent from happening is now finally happening. You need to go deeper into that and really show what that is more. And, you know, he was totally right. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that was the only time, like, had I known, I think I would not have wanted mm. it to be filmed. It felt so vulnerable, so private. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I want to thank you for um, just allowing it to happen, even though you didn't know who's going to, because, you know, we're all dealing with loss on some level, uh, especially these days, and, and it really 
watching you specifically, like after we watched the film, I was like, I want to I want to talk to Nancy. I mean, Mm. obviously, I would have we would have loved to interview anyone, but I was like, I just want to talk to Nancy so I can thank her personally for giving me strength um, and and showing what it looks like to just fully Mm-hmm. be in the moment, which is what we have to do in these situations is we can't think about the past. We can't, what is the future? It, it, you know, it's, it's now that's it. Um, and, and um, so I wanted to thank you first because um, your strength has really helped me. And I'm hoping that this film causes a greater dialogue on death and dying and, and, you know, um, and, and helps others. I, I know it, I know it will help others. Um, but, but I'm curious to know, what watching it does for you does it does it help you do you watch it often have you seen it once and don't want to again um well i've i've probably seen um 20 25 versions of the film at this point mm-hmm. i was definitely part of the team i i could not watch the raw footage we were all assigned there was 200 hours of footage and we, there was five of us, and we each took on a big chunk of hours to try to watch and see what were the best, most powerful po- points of footage. And I tried, and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. And so I felt bad that I couldn't do that part of, of that effort. But I did sit through every version of the edits. And, um, you know, it, it was pretty br- brutal. I mean, it remains hard. Um, I you know, now I, it takes about 24 hours to sort of rebalance back to my current life. But um, in the beginning, you know, it was just, uh, just watching her die over and over again was really hard, just losing her over and over. But, you know, there's something amazing for me in that too, because it's sort of just constantly looking at death, losing someone who was so, so, so important to me, so part of my soul. Um, Just looking at that truth, just that reality is very interesting. I I think it helps me kind of be aware of that is going to happen, keep happening. You know, I think Chas says something really important. I think one of the most important things that resonates for me in the film is when she says, you know, I, in the beginning, when I was diagnosed, I used to think, oh, these things will happen someday. Yes. And now that someday is here. And I feel like that is like something I think about a lot. <laughs> you know, I think about, oh, yes, these things will happen. And I, I'm not going to really face that right now. But it, I think this film is really making me stop and say, no, I need to like really let in that that will happen that that reality and to live with that reality more than just sort of pushing it away and not really accepting the full truth of that reality. Mm. I'm going to end the conversation there. I think it's a highlight and I think Angie and I need to go cry. So um, (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll tell you after the recording, but um, Nancy Otto, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on Bitch Talk and the film's prognosis, and I hope more and more people get to see it. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. 
My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. 